This podcast is presented by Rabbi Peretz Muchkin, speaking to the millennial generation. Hello, welcome to the Rabbi Peretz podcast. The conversation that we've been having is about Shabbat, how Shabbat is something that is not just a day where we stop things, but it's a day to really reset ourselves and really deepen our quality of life by getting in touch with the most important part of ourselves is the real you, independent of how you externally categorize your existence. It's getting in touch with yourself independent of external realities. It's called internal self-worth. But now we have to get back into the world on Shabbat. You have those moments. We lit candles. We had a table set up. We prepared for this day. And now what's going to happen is Friday night, we're going to start having pleasure. Many of you don't realize that the concept of pleasure is part of Jewish tradition. Without pleasure, there really isn't any purpose to what you're doing. And I think it's important to know why. Why does Judaism put emphasis on pleasure? On Friday night, the reason we have great food and wine, and it's a mitzvah to be sexual with your partner and to connect, the reason for these things are about pleasure and having pleasure. So why should we have pleasure? And this is a conversation I have often behind closed doors with people in my community, and I thought it would be an incredible conversation to have with you here. So I invited my good friend, Vika Victoria, who lives here locally in Venice, who has such a great, curious nature to who she is and how she conducts her life. And I encourage you to check out how she approaches life. It's super exciting, but you'll find out for yourself right here. Vika, welcome to the Rabbi Parrots Podcast. I'm so thrilled to be here. Well, I wanted you to come on and discuss almost anything. I was happy with any conversation we would have because I felt like you would bring something so interesting to the conversation. And But especially when it comes to pleasure, I think you're informed in many different ways and many different cultures and religions. And and you've told me that this is like a new um a new level for you to start looking at your own background and roots as a Jewish person and Jewish woman of what are these things. So I thought this would be great for you to have your natural curiosity uh, as it as it now delves a little bit into your Jewish background and bring it together over this conversation of Shabbat, internal self-worth, and our topic today, pleasure. And uh, you didn't disappoint. You already came with a list of things that you want to talk about. I think that's so awesome that you're you're all in on this conversation. So tell me, when I asked you to do this, what really stuck out to you about this conversation that you thought would be interesting? Yeah, as soon as you told me about it, I started going into research mode. And the way that I research is through curious conversations. So I began asking every single stranger that I encountered in the last 24 hours, uh, excuse me, would you mind contributing to my research? How do you define pleasure? And I asked that to my Starbucks barista, to my Uber, to my cashier at the grocery store at Creation last night. And the reactions were were pretty shockingly different. I think some people immediately go to the sensual sexual end of pleasure. And some people break it down like the Uber driver on the way here. He said, pleasure is really simple. It's doing exactly what you want when you want. Essentially, pleasure is freedom. Mm, That's cool. Yeah. And so as I've been exploring my Jewish heritage and my Jewish roots, this notion that pleasure was a thing of beauty and something to be celebrated um, really drew me in because a big part of my work, the research of curiosity and how curiosity lights up the brain, made me think about how does pleasure do the same thing? And so I started researching the etymology of pleasure. 
So words have meaning. Yeah. And this word um, came around from a philosophical sense from the Greek philosopher Epicurus. And pleasure was deeply connected to hedonism. And he believed that life is about maximal pleasure and minimum pain. And I wrote that down because I was so curious what the Jewish angle was on that notion. I love it. And then the other part that I was taking notes on was um, that the old French defined pleasure as delight, desire, and will. But the Latins defined it as to please, to give pleasure, to be approved. So there's a difference between the receiving and the creating. In the 1520s, the philosophy of sensual enjoyment was the chief objective of life. That's how they define pleasure. In the 1530s, it became um, an adjective to take pleasure in as well as a noun and a verb. And only in the 1610s was there a sexual sensation associated with pleasure. And what I thought was really fascinating when I started researching the etymology of pleasure was that it is an adjective, a noun, and a verb. It is such an all-encompassing state of being that it's not just categorized in one way. Mm. Um, And so pleasure shows up in our life a lot. And the antithesis to pleasure, I think, is shame or pain. And that's also the thing that we're hardwired to avoid. I think that's an incredible amount of research. I love it. These things talk to me because I feel like we're constantly juxtaposing not only our backgrounds and what we know and what we don't know, but what it feels like when we feel pleasure from something that I wasn't expecting to feel pleasure there. Or I feel guilt in a certain area and then all of a sudden I'm like, but I have pleasure there. Or I feel shame, but... At the same time, I want that experience. So I think it's difficult to define pleasure for people and even as we see philosophically and historically because it's missing this space of like, am I allowed to have pleasure everywhere? Is there a limit to this? Mm-hmm. Um, Apicurus interestingly defines pleasure so broadly as what feels like pleasure essentially and whatever doesn't isn't so much so that you connected it with the term hedonism, essentially Epicurus is saying like, whatever, pleasure is pleasure. And if it feels good, then it is good. So continue experimenting with your life on what feels good. And if it feels good, continue doing it. I think that's altruistic because it's from his point of view, it sounds like, oh, you do that, it'll lead to something better. But in reality, pleasure can also lead to addiction and could lead to the types of shame and introverted guilt that people have a hard time overcoming. So, uh, you can go a little further back. The philosopher philosopher Socrates defined pleasure and desire as higher levels and lower levels of pleasure and desire. Socrates says higher pleasure is intellect and wisdom and being able to knowing self, meaning truly deeply altruistic, less of self, but more of what's out there to grow with. And lower pleasure is, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So for Socrates, it was like clearly defined. And he says, you know, he struggled. Socrates is famous for struggling between those two, and hence it's like uh, self. So I think the question is great. What is what is Judaism's opinion about this? It's clear. Uh, at, type in pleasure online in Google. I don't know how you found it, but it's actually quite hard to find a direct definition, reputable sources. It's a little all over the place on pleasure because whoever has pleasure from a certain area wants to define it by that experience. Mm-hmm. So. I have a lot to share on the Jewish side. I'm so happy to share it with you. Yeah, I'm so excited to learn. (laughs) All right. So I'll begin with the ultimate beginning. 
And then I promise we'll bring it back to Shabbat because that's the conversation here. It's about why pleasure Friday night specifically versus any other time. So you have to go all the way back to creation itself. Pre-physical, you have data. What does that mean, data? There's, there's something going on. Today, it's a modern philosophy. What comes first, matter or data? Was there like little bits of matter and then little bits of data? And as the matter grew, the data grew? Or was there great amounts of data that eventually becomes matter and that snowballs to reflect the great data that's there? And Judaism would take the side that there's first an immense amount of data, huge amount of data. We call it energy, but essentially it's data. And because it could be broken down into different categories of energy and vessels and how it fits. And now we have this physical world that as it evolves and grows, even though there are different people, different levels of insight, there were great mystics three, 4,000 years ago. And today it doesn't seem like there's the same amount of great mystics with those type of insights. Yet today we have such great vessels to partake in such vast amount of data. For example, ideas spiritually that were very hard for people to understand hundreds of years ago. So they had to only talk about it a myth. Today we could talk about this like spiritual rationalism. It's like connected to having a rational perspective to spirituality. So we are in this unique place where even if you're not a genius like myself, you're just trying to navigate life. We have this incredible vessel to have instant answers and and information and data going on. So it's like somebody asked me a question. I don't ha- I don't feel pressure to answer them right away I could, if I don't know and be like, listen, I'll get back to you. I'll do research. And I just sit down with a few books at my phone <laughs> and, and all of a sudden I'm an hour spiraling into these concepts and have so much more information. So existence is this data coming into matter. And the reason why this is important to this conversation of pleasure is because what happens before data? How does data get broken down into matter? How does that happen? So the first, first, first beginning of it all is God having a desire to have a dwelling place with you, with you, Vika, to have a relationship. What can a God, an energy of everything, the only thing in existence not have? And that is somebody choose to be like, we get along. We're in a relationship together. We're together doing something. It's the one thing you cannot really manifest on your own, somebody has to choose that and together you can manifest things. So this idea of coming together is everything in nature to reproduce or to have love or to connect. All of these ideas are things coming together. You're not in, in introvertedly androgynous. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. have multiple things happening within you that, 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 uh, that, that are pushing you to juxtapose both sides all the time which leads to great conversation on gender studies for another time. But for our sake, God being singular, starting with a desire to have something else, the question is how you get there. But the beginning thought is desire to have you. So since the beginning of everything begins with a desire and desire is sort of the beginning and pleasure is at the end. In other words, you start an idea, you have this great desire to build a company, build a concept, and then you put your desire on the side so you can build the infrastructure and get a team and get it all going. And then when it starts being successful, all the great pleasure you have. And if you're really good, you start having pleasure during the micro victories and micro success. So it's the desire that initially propels us. And then it's the pleasure we derive from the experiences that happen from that. But in between is everything, the creativity to do it the curiosity of how to explore this, the wisdom to understand what's going on, the the emotions. And in Kabbalah, that's how the world's created, desire. And then the main tool for desire to be developed is will. 
in other words, you're engaging with it and you're, it's still transcendent of your own intellect because you're like, I'm doing this. And then you start using your intellect to justify and develop. And then you use your emotions to be, cre be curious, creative, and unique in this experience. So most of your uniqueness is happening in this emotional space and uh, from too much or lack thereof. But then you get from there into the physical reality that manifests and that's where the pleasure is. So this is the, the kind of the mystical of 101 of how, yeah. of how desire to pleasure mm -hmm. and how it equates creation itself. But that's a trip that all of creation, the reason why we want pleasure so much and the reason why our desires are push us beyond our intellect. And sometimes if they're bad desires, we have to go to therapy, you know, or we have to figure out what's really pushing us. It's because the world was created with a desire. You were created with a desire to have a relationship. So everything is permeated with this concept of desire and pleasure. Yeah. And the neuroscience rewards desire and pleasure by sending off a cocktail of neurotransmitters through your body. I, I, I think that would be the natural result if yeah. it's, and so we want you to have guilt-free pleasure. That's like a huge part of this because guilt is like, I don't feel really part of the creation. I'm just feeling the pleasure side independent of the work and the effort. But if it was real and you felt comfortable with it and it, and it was, it was an inspiring part of your existence, I, I don't think you'd have a ton of guilt with that. On the contrary, you just be exploring until you find the full alignment or the full pieces to be transparent about it. And our generation is focusing on that tra transparent part. There's a rabbi in New York who likes to call holiness transparency. Mm. Because what is holiness if not everything could be exposed and it's all real from beginning to end? Or for that matter, holiness is like divine energy, but it's manifest and transparent. You can see that it's there. So the idea of having holy pleasure would be transparent pleasure, guilt-free. Mm. That's why you can have great sex with your partner and it's holy and it's transparent because it's the way it's supposed to be. It's fully aligned. Of course, this can go to a promiscuous end. So this is the balance that we try to figure out in middle. So what are those examples of guilt-free pleasure that are encouraged to be shared on Shabbos? So bringing us back to Friday night, yeah. I think it's now understandable why Friday night is celebrated through real physical food and 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 being able to be intimate with your partner is part of Shabbos because Shabbos is about reconnecting to the reason you're here in the first place, total internal self-worth. And the body defines itself entirely by the physical, but you're not supposed to define yourself by just body or just soul because there's clearly two elements to your existence. So Friday night when we do something spiritual, soul-like, there's prayer, there's song, there's ideas of meditation, being able to essentially only have internal self-worth, but then also having the mitzvah of eating great food, surrounding yourself with great people, and having intimacy, you're essentially taking all the guilt-free guilt -free versions of pleasure and week-to-week -week working on this experience and connecting yourself all the way back to the reason for creation in the first place. So the idea here is to connect yourself to creation, to you being valuable to this experience and to your uniqueness being represented. And the way to have that is through pleasure. So before you're married, really, you only have food or you have you have wine and hopefully you haven't tipped the scale in the addiction side of any of these so you can fully use them. But if not, there are other ways to have pleasure. It's song and great conversation and intellect. But we're trying to use all the data to matter as you said, neuronic concepts to 
heighten your sense of pleasure and to not and to heighten it for the purpose of altruistic growth of I'm here for a reason and I matter. Mm -hmm. So hopefully people feel that pleasure when they have pleasure anytime, but certainly Friday night is the time to, to restart it and go from it. Mm. That's interesting because the way that I talk about curiosity on stage, I break it down to wisdom, storytelling, and human connection. And it feels like the conjecture between those principles and Shabbos is very clear. That Shabbos is about finding the pleasure and sharing wisdom in connecting to others in the community um, and in sharing stories. And so I'm curious about how how do we take pleasure um, and make it an everyday thing? Because it, it feels like Shabbos is this time for kind of regeneration where we fill the cup up and we come back to our truest self, to our essence. But for the rest of the days from Sunday till the following Friday, how can we drop seedlings of pleasure in our day-to-day? -day? Well, I think the the world currently, you know, commercialism is selling you what what gives you pleasure, right? That's what, that's essentially you don't need that much really in life to be happy, right? Happiness is like its own conversation. You want to be happy, you could just choose to be happy. You really you really don't have to do much. But pleasure includes doing something. There's there's mm -hmm. a certain self-pleasure also requires deep in thought or really conjuring up. It's not like I'm deciding to have pleasure now. That's it still requires work. Deciding to be happy could be instant. Mm. That's, that's so so during the week it's important to differentiate because in a society of instant gratification in not even a negative way, you can press a button and get what you need. It's pretty wild. Um, you know, we're able to shop and get everything all the time. So we have to differentiate happiness and pleasure. Because pleasure really is end-to-end -end world building. It relates to you can't have a child without pleasure. You can, but that's not not only not ideal. You know, we we we're fighting for it. Otherwise, it's yeah. super important that part of having a child, for example, is having real pleasure because it's world building energy. Because yeah. pleasure and desire is what created the world. So in Judaism, it's world building energy. So during the week, we're not saying every day you should have pleasure. The world today says that. Have pleasure, pursue it. It's the highest level. It's the Epicurus thought. Like, keep pursuing pleasure every moment, every day. In Judaism, we want you to pursue happiness every day by simply being happy and allowing things to unfold. And if it results in pleasure because of what's happening, that's amazing because now you can see with pleasure how this end-to-end -end development is really unfolding. But imagine you didn't have a great week and you were having a hard time with your happiness and then comes Shabbos and says, no, you can't just take a day off to rejuvenate. That's great. But you also have to do things to have pleasure. And in other words, it's important that Friday night, you don't just say, okay, I'm taking, I'm taking off non-exploitation. That's the entry level and very important. Imagine just the whole world took a day off. We'd be in better places. But there's a deeper level here, which is to access why you're here in the first place. And that access happens through pleasure, through food. Now you have to ask, what food am I eating? Do I like it? Now all of a sudden the foods on Shabbat are rituals to like challah is not just challah anymore. It's bread that you made and is and you're connected with and you have a relationship with your baker or your wife that's making it or yourself that's being a part of it. Wine, you know, I talk, I spoke in a previous podcast about the end-to-end -end connection to the wine that like my grandfather made wine. So now I make wine. And what I learned about making wine was that Jewish people make wine thinking about the Friday night table.
Hmm. They're not just making wine for business. They're, it's exclusively thought about the Jews who are going to consume it at a Friday night table. Like it's going to be a pleasure experience related to like, why am I here? That's really deep. Yeah. It sounds like pleasure is the source of life and also the spark that keeps life vibrant and alive. And when we are in tune with our highest pleasures, we're able to unlock the creative genius inside of us. I love that. Yeah. Hmm. I take pleasure in like, in to, with a certain stride of like, I can't say I really know what it is yet. Like I'm sort of like, I allow this door to be open that it's gonna, my pleasure will enhance as time goes on. And, and I found, and the reason why I've done that is because I see so much of like sex and food is related to youth. I, I hear this great chef going, oh, I used to be able to cook so much more and I was so much more creative when I was younger. Or, you know, like, uh, or sex is for the young and the certain, certain, you know, um, look and feel to it. And I'm like, wait, pleasure is, is none of those things. Pleasure is something that actually grows and develops and enhances in time because you can be more absorbed in it. And that's because like the deeper you think about life, you, especially as you, as you grow in life, let's not say call older, it's just growth. You realize that every day pleasure is new. Even the same things you're doing, it's new if you have the right goods and the right balance, especially when it's created to this both desire and the physical manifestation of it and pleasure. Plus it, if you're doing it well and you're growing with it, you're using your intellect and your emotions, which I happen to like emotions being broken down as a form of storytelling and connection. It's mm -hmm. like internal emotions are storytelling, external emotions are connecting, and that's how emotions are broken down. Half of them are internal feelings that you're discovering and half are external connections that you're bringing out there. And uh, that 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 is also favorite conversation of mine like that. But I think pleasure is it, this is new for me to talk about it in this form, because as I'm preparing now in these Shabbos conversations, I'm like, not only how do I have pleasure on Shabbos, but how do I create a pleasurable experience for my community? Yeah. And that's pushed me to have a lot better food and a lot better wine and a lot better conversation and also to emphasize the ideas that bring people pleasure as well and coming together that way. And it's a fine line because the world's selling pleasure a lot better than I could ever sell it. But you can get it in a much more binary form of like really wholesome experiences mm. that give you that start feeding on your ultimate desires, which is to have value and to value good things and to have great connection. And since that's deep down our real desire connection, you make connection with more farm to table, more house made products, more more inclusivity of the community, challah baking together and making food together and and that that family style element is what feeds real desires. And uh and it's important because today psychologically they often look at desires as traumas, like at the core it's been a trauma that corrupted my desire or uh, or or I want things that aren't good for me when really all of those things are indicators to where your uniqueness and pleasure unlock itself. Yeah. It's it's interesting because I, I think about when you talk about happiness and pleasure, what's the level deeper than those two is meaning. Viktor mm. Frankl wrote Man's Search for Meaning. And, and I think fundamentally that's where pleasure goes into the dark side is we try to shortcut and go through step one, which is meaning step two, which is happiness straight to step three. And so visually the way that I see pleasure is 
It's the blossoming of the rosebud that was planted in the soil of meaning by the seed of happiness that then blossoms under the conditions of water and sunshine. And mm. so how can you nurture pleasure in your life on a consistent basis? It sounds like Shabbos is a really great way to tie it into the tapestry of your being by setting aside 24 hours every week where you acknowledge the vitality and the creative energy that is replenished and created by nourishing pleasure. Um, so I really like that. As somebody who is newly exploring Judaism, that makes a lot of sense to me. Well, I think it also takes away from like there being higher and lower pleasure mm -hmm. and it's more like lower pleasure isn't lower it's just the beginning like i have a desire but in order for that desire to manifest into pleasure there's all of these incorporated feelings and ideas that we've been talking about but for example when you eat food it's not a lower level pleasure you can't survive without energy so if you really have like uh, if you've tipped that scale and you have a food addiction, let's say, then maybe that's because the main source of pleasure for you is not supposed to be with food or it's supposed to be from other food. Like that exploration is going to lead you to deepen your sense of pleasure. Same with sex, same with drugs or imbibing with any with any uh, uh, um, liquids or anything like that. If you tip the scale on something, it either means that you have to go another direction or you have to go deeper. But the idea is, is that these are the in pleasure is also the indicator of where growth is. If pleasure in and of itself doesn't actually work, because if you just like I want pleasure, so you go and you do something, or you go and you eat something, or you go and you take something, it doesn't last. Mm -hmm. lasting pleasure it's like having an amazing friday night with great people have great food and have great sex and then like wake up in the morning you're you're gonna be all right it's gonna elongate into your week and then that was back to where you asked like what happens to your week that's how you start growing week to week because this leads me to this i think mean, i don't know if it's the answer but the idea that comes to mind is pleasure is a source of growth because it's what created the world in the first place what really emerged within data to matter is that behind it all was this great desire. We have to learn to see our desires and our pleasures as essentially wholesome. They're real. They're not, they're not evil. They're complete. Like self gratification is only evil because there's no such thing as self gratification. You have to eat from somewhere, take from something, use something. It's very hard to have just truly internal self gratification. So that's why there's what is evil. If not like selfishness, that's where it begins. The, the beginning of the world is desire. So the beginning of the end is selfishness. Mm. You know, to me, to, the word Jewish means to be selfless and have gratitude, you know? And that idea is, is, is magic because essentially saying like, what does it mean to have real desire and pleasure while being somewhat selfless? Oh. means to be in service to something greater than you. So so if you are participating in pleasure alone, is that as valuable as participating in pleasure communally? Whether it's sharing one conversation with one person that is pleasurable and nourishing or being part of a big feast. There are there are introverts who need to start from themselves before mm. they can go out there. There are extroverts who need to start from the out there experience to go in there. So I wouldn't venture to say it's one versus the other. But then when you talk about more sensitive things like 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 
I can go with sex in this direction, but you can also go with food. It's like if it's really great and you you just want to chase that taste, it's it's not going to end up tasting the way it did in the beginning. If you if you are using sex to to create that pleasure or energy, at some point it's going to be empty. It's not building off one another. There's a certain mm-hmm. building blocks because desire then goes and builds the world. So if your desires are not building anything, they're just saying that they're only going to go a certain, a certain amount because after all, we don't live in pleasure. We live in will. We live in the level that pushes us to do things to manifest our desires. So because we live more in the workspace, we live more in the six days of the week than Shabbat. So during the week, we actually derive satisfaction off the effort we put in, the work we had, the quality of existence that we're living. Whereas in Shabbat, because it's more about the pleasure than it is about the justification of what we're doing or the, or, or even it's about putting the pleasure almost on the side to work and fulfill self and creatively flow, which essentially now is not lower, but a little, they're more, you see your creativity and your curiosity almost as tools to Mm. uncover your pleasure. So because of that, you can see like the weekday Shabbat is this rhythm of deepening that your desires and pleasures should all maximize. They should maximize their potential. You can have a relationship with somebody and it teaches you amazing, amazing things. And it ends up actually being a whole world, even though you don't marry that person and you you never built a family with them. Like, of course, that's the extension of the possibility, but it doesn't mean that having a great relationship with somebody can't be this end-to-end world building as well. So this is the the psychological level of really understanding why Shabbat is important is to really understand your pleasures. Otherwise, you go to the world and they're selling you stuff they want you to continue buying until you have nothing left. They're not, they're not considering your, your balance. We need to consider our balance because we want a lifetime of growth. Hmm. We want a lifetime of understanding what are our desires really here for. What is my unique reason for being different than everything else in creation? How come I'm not you know, a zebra that they're different, but they look the same. I'm a human. I don't have to look the same. I can express myself. I have so many more creative ways to express my being. Why am I that? Mm. And why am I not something that is limited? And in this unlimited space we're in, the answer comes from desire and pleasure. The answer to that is nurtured through what your desires and pleasures are on Friday night when we unleash that. And I'm curious the role of intention with pleasure. Because it seems like if we accept that pleasure is fleeting and and in the fact that it's fleeting, there are um, there are multiple ways to achieve pleasure, but pleasure is not our our standard way of being because if pleasure always existed, we wouldn't desire for a higher level of pleasure. So can we create an intention to receive? X amount of pleasure or is pleasure something that surprises us because our desire for pleasure then becomes our motivator that moves us in the direction of, oh, I'm going to observe Shabbos because I want to derive pleasure on the other side. So my intention going into Shabbos is to gain an evening of pleasure, not uh, an eternal state of pleasure. Hmm. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll put the question back to you first. Like, yeah. When you think of intention, especially when it comes to something like pleasure, what what are you really uncovering? What's the what what intention do you need? Pleasure is in, almost intuitive. Like I I do that, I like it. I don't do that, I don't like it. So what type of intention like comes to mind for yourself when it's like I want to have 
pleasure that's real and deep and guilt-free and shame-free all the the beauty like what 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 intention do you mean yeah so because pleasure is i think it's playing with fire what is healthy pleasure? What is that line between eating one piece of challah bread and three because it's just pleasurable? What is that line between having sex because it's a thing of beauty or having sex from a place of deep hedonism, right? And so I think if we are playing with fire and the fire is pleasure and fire is also the thing that ignites us and sustains us, then equally important is to create an intention in the anticipation of pleasure. My intention is to um, experience this with honor by cherishing my body. By and, and so I'm wondering, is there in the Jewish tradition of thinking about pleasure um, any sort of intention that goes along with pleasure or or do you just receive the pleasure beautifully put i love the analogy of fire because what i was thinking when you say intention to pleasure i was thinking the real intention of pleasure should be that i have this great pleasure i know it's the highest level of pleasure and it's illuminating hmm. it brings it brings brightness and and energy to other people as well it's sort of like if you have deep pleasure that's really real you should be able to then reinvest it back into the world you're living in. Mm. If you have pleasure where you overate or you had, let's say, unintentional sexual experience, you're going to go back into the week. It's not going to feel like it was a great weekend. You're going to feel like I got to work that out and I got to go test myself and I got to go, you know, clean myself. Like that's not, uh, I think intention would allow you to deepen it. I think in the beginning we have to receive pleasure to know like what does the receive pleasure mean? It's like essentially when you're connect with somebody in the beginning, you, it's not the sex isn't about this deep connection. I mean, maybe it is. Oh, I was certainly I got married young. It was just the connection. But now it's about this depth of expression between one another. You have food when you're young, you eat because it tastes good. So sugary things are more exciting if if you have access to that, you know. But if you don't have access to that, whatever you consider sweeter or you know more palatable. You know, I was a little, as a kid, I ate whitefish sandwiches. I thought that was really awesome. Today, I don't eat them at all anymore. I don't find mm. them to be the same health level. So in, in ten, we're going to start with pleasure because receiving end of it, because we just, it's part of our DNA to be created with the creator in mind, which is this desire and this pleasure. And then people have different levels of it. The intention is how to repair your pleasure, mm -hmm. meaning saying God created the world with desire means there was great intention to the design. That's the beauty of it. For example, you build a home for yourself. The beginning is the desire to have a dwelling place. Then you put in the work of what it looks like and how it goes. You don't just like walk into a room and say, I'm just going to live here now. You can, but that's not the same end-to-end -end experience as I have this vision for what I want to build for myself. And then you go out and build it. That's a different experience. So you can move into something and then eventually make it your home and realize that the intention was I was looking for a dwelling place. And when I walked in, I just knew it. But that's the bigger feeling is the end to end. And the end to end is intentional. Desire ultimately transcends intellect. It transcends emotions. In fact, you're using your intellect and emotions to justify your desire. But to re-energize your, your pleasure and your intentions, that it should be a space that actually nurtures you and growth, you need intention. And if your pleasure, so to answer your question, if pleasure does not have growth, mm -hmm. then you know you have to have more intention. Ooh, so then is there now a new level of pleasure that's 
called conscious pleasure. There's unconscious pleasure, there's subconscious pleasure, and then conscious pleasure is, I think, what we're talking about. Well, you can have, there's sometimes unconscious or subconscious behavior is great, there's great passion. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, that happened. We were swept up in the moment. But you can't recreate that and deepen that and 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 uh, create a pattern because the pattern represents I'm not the creator, but I want to go all the way back to the highest level I can over my lifetime. I want to deepen and deepen. I want to become simple, but in the pure way, you know, where I'm like one with the energy that's happening around me. And that that could could start spontaneously. Certainly you can spontaneously be in a moment in, and it unleashes a whole a whole experience that but at some point for it to grow and deepen you're going to need intention but certainly judaism is very into the subconscious driving you way before freud it's in the torah it has subconscious conversations that what that person was thinking was really that pushes them forward and and that idea is is really important how do you develop your subconscious can you develop something as receded as your subconscious and modern therapy says of course like of course you could work on that and in Judaism, it's been, well, always, because your subconscious is fed by your intentions. And you start intentionally working on things, it starts feeding back into you how you subconsciously behave and think. Mm. So you can upgrade so much of what makes you move and what moves you by conscious effort and development. So you kind of have both. You can walk into a ready-made table Friday night and have all the experiences without doing the preparation, without lighting the candles, without hearing the kiddos. You just walk in and like, I'm in. Great people. Things are happening. It's great. But you want to deepen the experience. At some point, you're going to have to do it at your own home. It's going to have to be mm-hmm. in your own space. It's not going to be able to stay here at my center forever. It's going to be after your own home. Then you're going to have to think, okay, curation. Who's coming with me to this experience? And, and what am I going to share? And what type of food are we going to eat? And what does it look like and feel like? And that's what's really going to deepen it and really deepen the pleasure ability. Yes. And this brings me to my next point. Uh, I come from Ukrainian heritage and a lot of uh, kind of the notions there are we must suffer for joy. And so with pleasure, is it directly proportional? You will have deeper pleasure if you have deeper consciousness about it. Like what will give you the deepest layers of pleasure what amount of work do you have to put in to get a higher output of pleasure on the other side there's a line in the talmud that says according to your work is your reward Mm -hmm. and if the end game of desire is to have pleasure you would think that the more effort is put in the greater it'll be i think preparation is key for that and so i would say it's less about effort and more about preparation it's more about being able to see the big picture. Sometimes it manifests into hard labor. You know, sometimes it's I have to clean up the whole night afterwards. But what makes me excited about it is, is that we just had an incredible evening. And sometimes the evening ends and everybody helps us clean up. And like there are two different types of rewarding experiences of like, look at this mess. It took an incredible group of people to create this mess. It's wild. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's look at all these people helping. They appreciate so much. And both are are tremendously satisfying in different ways because they both include a tremendous amount of effort in order to get to the space. So what I'm hearing is that your pleasure is being redefined. It's not just one way of deriving pleasure from an experience, but you can derive pleasure from a Shabbat, whether you worked for it 
all night long or whether everybody put all hands in. And so then how does Judaism define pleasure um, on an individual basis and a community basis or are they inextricably linked? This comes back to the feeling that your life matters. Mm-hmm. That is that is ultimately what what really pushes you to go outside of yourself and see, and what am I here for? Confidence comes from this place, and this place needs to have pleasure. You, you, it's hard to – you're either exploring out of pain, which is one type of journey, or you're exploring out of joy. And But both start with this great desire to see what you are. So you start in a home. You start nurturing yourself. But – Eventually, you have to. Shabbos is only one day of the week. You have to go out to the world, and then see: is this experience enhancing the world, or is it taking away? And keep going back to the drawing board. So Shabbos really sets the tone for how to see the intention and the preparation in order for 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 pleasure to be an incorporation of all the things that you cherish and hold deep. So I'm curious: how do we know? When we are experiencing pleasure, because if pleasure is the byproduct of happiness and we're in a state of happiness, let's say we're experiencing joy, when do we know that it's pleasure? What are the sensations in our body? What are the feelings emotionally that catapult us from a place of just happiness to a place of real pleasure? Since since we're discussing pleasure as a source for data and existence it would mean that going like we're like below to above below to above means like below represents my perspective and it's called below because it's limited because since there are many other people at least one or two out there and many other existences in that sense of like there's humans and animals and uh, and vegetation and and uh, and uh, minerals there's like kingdoms of of life who is to say what's more, what's less? Everything is pulsating with energy and with vibrancy. So when you see it that way, then it's like really it comes down to each interaction is a mindful interaction because you can connect with it. You can have pleasure from it or you could be upset at it, meaning it's it's kind of all in, all inclusive with that experience. And you're not really belittling one to get to another, even though you may argue that a deep intellectual feeling or you like were working hard on a thought and an idea and when you did it and you had one level of pleasure and then when the world understood it it was even a deeper level of pleasure you could argue that that's the highest level of pleasure even more than sex drugs and rock and roll but the real point here is that really any category can take you all the way to this big experience of original desire and pleasure to have connection and relationship if you so want to exist and feel it that way and it could all be experienced in a way without guilt and shame if it incorporates this and since so much of guilt and shame for example is 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 put on us by external realities and external people Shabbos is about resetting that so maybe you're supposed to try to touch all the neuronic senses of pleasure on Shabbat all inclusively, hence the food, as well as the as well as the sex, as well as the learning and prayer, and all the different elements that make up an existence. So, I I think that's 
you're asking how does Judaism see it, I think Judaism is not only encouraging it, it's making it part and parcel of it. And maybe the things we don't do on Shabbos aren't that we're not doing that. It's that there's this long tradition that there's a, a basic space of where to tap into your lower desire and pleasure and start building them up to greater and greater ones before you re-enter the week and reshare yourself with the world around you. Yeah, I like that. I also think that our ability to derive pleasure is directly to, proportional to our ability to cultivate self-compassion for ourselves. So if you are not in a good place, no matter how much pleasure is around you, you are not able to ingest or receive that pleasure because your your walls are up, you're in a place of pain, the shame is overriding the pleasure. How do you teach that to somebody? I, I, I can I, I know that this is a topic that you that you teach to people of how to let go of one side and you know emerge greater and happier on the other side. And since we're not talking about happiness, we're talking about pleasure, how, how do you educate somebody on that? Yeah, so I, I drop them into a guided visual story. Mm. Um, and I say, imagine you're sitting in the living room of your mind. And at the front door, a few guests show up and in walks your deepest pain and in walks your deepest shame. And you prepare a meal and you have a real conversation with everyone in the room so that everything that you have feared is standing in front of you. And when you recognize the humanity in the pain and in the shame, what you see are the two curious mindsets I teach can I get curious and see this change as evolution? Can I get curious and see this pain as a professor? And so through the storytelling of self, what you realize is you've created these monsters. And these monsters, in order for them to just become regular humans, need to be loved and embraced and befriended as much as the joy and pleasure that are knocking at the door too. And when everybody can sit at the dining room table and laugh and have conversations and share memories, that's where you achieve real harmony of the mind. I think that's really beautiful. And I think that maybe that's the most important therapeutic thing a person could do for themselves is to face these realities in such an intimate setting in their mind and in a reality that makes sense for them. And and I'm sure the reason why you're passionate about that is because you recognize that it's you're, even successful people have so much more growth to do. Everybody has growth and you have to unlock that growth. And um, I, I think when it comes to Shabbat pleasure, it's on some level, trying to circumvent all of that, like give you a fresh place to begin from. And, uh, but when you get back into your week, you know, we're fortunate. We live in America. We have pretty much a five day work week, but if you don't play it right, you end up in a seven day work week, you know, like you have this freedom, but then, so how do you balance that? And how do you balance this need for constantly like dealing with your traumas, but not really sitting and dealing with them? It's this is kind of a nonstop experience. So firstly, the concept of pleasure also makes you have to sort of appreciate the simple trajectory you're on, that you can, no matter how much pain you're in and how much suffering you experience, you could still have pleasure. It just comes down to 
having the experience of the end to end so it can include everything that you're in right what's the what would be the best intimacy when somebody totally accepts you for everything that you are that's the highest level of intimacy it's both the pleasure with your own being included in it and that only happens when you also somebody could do you the favor and totally accept you but then it's it's really when you're both accepting one another that that happens and don't you think there's a certain part that God's accepting you too and you're accepting this divine energy as well that is in this relationship? Essentially, it comes down to, I think what you're saying is, is having a better relationship with yourself and learning how to confront what you're about. Uh, this rabbi I heard talk once, he said, sometimes you have to have a conversation with the sugar you're not supposed to be eating, <laughs> you know, and discussing it a little better. And uh, for me, that works, you know, but but it comes down to kind of anything you're doing is learning how to have a great conversation around it. And maybe that's one of the secrets of Shabbos as well, you know, having the challah and the wine. And today it triggers so many conversations. I don't eat bread or I'm not I, I don't imbibe or or everybody has like something that they're discussing. But in reality, the conversation's happening and, yeah. and it's happening around the table and these are the conversations that I think elongate the message of when you're having real pleasure that's and on your real desire, it's including great connection because that's what it's for. Absolutely. It's for connection. Yeah. And to your point, pleasure is a choice and pleasure is a mindset. And so what I see Shabbos is, is an extension of one of the frameworks I teach. Positive disruptive experiences catalyze growth. So what can you do to positively add to your life? that will disrupt your habitual way of being, that is experiential. So why is experience important? Because it's when knowledge and experience come together that wisdom is formed. Mm. So to me, Shabbos is a positive, disruptive experience. And I, I can speak only from my own point of view. When I come to your first Friday Shabbos, I leave high on life because it is positively adding something to my life disrupting me from my norm it's when i eat challah and i'm gluten-free it's when i drink wine and i don't drink typically but i do it from the from like a, a wide-eyed wonder lens where i allow my curiosity to be this breadcrumb that leads me to pleasure and in that process there's solidarity because you find total strangers sitting to the left and right of you at the dinner table and you both know you shouldn't be eating gluten but why not you know it's <laughs> pleasurable and so there is a lightness of being that emerges on shabbos from pursuing these the small pleasures um, and I don't have a partner yet, so I, I can't say that I've appreciated the, the full spectrum of what it's like, but I am looking forward to ceremoniously taking something uh, that we take for granted, like sex, and creating uh, a real meaningful, pleasurable tradition around Shabbos. That's wonderful. I, I think you've taken everything you can from my Shabbos table. It's almost <laughs> time for you to start your own, you know, but happy to help as well. Um, and when we lived in San Francisco, my wife would tell anyone who makes a Shabbos table, we'll provide the fresh challah. We'll hook, we'll, you know, we want to add to your table. So Mary. whenever you're ready, you know, I'm putting, I'm giving Miriam's offers, you know, but <laughs> uh, she said I could say that. She's incredible. <laughs> Speaking of Miriam, the last big point about pleasure is that in, in, in Kabbalah or Jewish mysticism, mm -hmm. all of creation is feminine. 
and all of and all of unseen or unvesselized energy represents a masculine expression. So God is called masculine not because being male, masculine representing like nothing is nothing it's just giving something out of itself per se. Whereas creation is constantly absorbing and taking in and lives with what it absorbed for a long time after it's taken it in. And Shabbos is called a day of feminine energy or the Shabbos mm -hmm. queen because it represents taking in the week before as well, before it just then goes gives to the week that comes. Mm -hmm. And since it's this pinnacle of creation so you have to look at the pleasure end from a feminine perspective because that is the full complete jewish picture of pleasure represents fe feminine energy taking something in and then being able to put it out there in the world and automatically in the highest level maybe world building having a child but it works constantly in the cycle of of the moon cycle of the woman and of nature and of judaism following that calendar in that moment and Shabbos is both because Shabbos is also sun energy. It's the cycle of the week, which is not moon. Then there's the cycle of the month and they come together on Shabbos every Friday night. We think about these things. Mm -hmm. So I bring that up because if it's from a feminine perspective that we can understand pleasure, that means that real pleasure end to end includes all the things that brought you to this point and and includes what you're going to give back and if it's just in the moment itself like it's just pleasure in the moment nothing to do with what i've came from nothing to do with what i'm going it's still pleasurable but it's not sustainable pleasure mm. sustainable pleasure it has a rhythm because since we don't originate the energy we don't create the, con the the concept of pleasure it's given to us as our highest form this desire and it transcends our intellect and emotions that we use to support it that makes it this 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 natural vessel for growth and world building. Mm -hmm. So that's really the next layer of Friday night is tapping into the feminine energy. The Kabbalists, the great mystics of Tzvat, used to go and create poems all about the feminine energy of Shabbos and bring it back mm -hmm. to their homes and to celebrate their wife and their children and their life that they had. Even in a time when the outside world was still calling it secondary to Jews, it was the Shabbos queen. That was the name of Shabbos. And that includes anything, all experiences. It's very physical and very spiritual at the same time. They occupy the same space. Mm -hmm. So that's this idea that pleasure occupying both space of both the spiritual, mystical, to the to the literally pleasurable and physical nature of it coming together. And that's the deepest point of all, this whole conversation is, is that Judaism is about being totally present in the physical reality that you're in. And from there, recognizing your place in the cosmos and what it's about. And if pleasure is what it really is, then it's essential to this experience. And that's why we began with Judaism really wants you to have pleasure. Yes. And I love that you brought up presence because pleasure cannot be fully absorbed without the presence of mind to understand its holiness. Mm. Like what a miracle is it that we're alive, that we're breathing, and what a higher miracle is it that we are deriving pleasure that is even more than simply being alive. Beautiful. Well, thank you for sitting here with me and sharing with me. And uh, so people know where to get me. They're listening to the podcast. But where can we hear and learn about your journey as well and what you bring to this beautiful world? It's very kind of you. You can find all of my musings at my website, vikagetscurious.com. That's V-I-K-A, getscurious.com. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, Vika, for joining us here. 
And thank you, Paladin Studios, for making our audio clear, paladin.nyc. Till next time. Beautiful. <laughs>